Please do turn with me tonight to our second reading, Matthew chapter 13 and to verse 47. Our title tonight is The Great Divide or The Great Division. This is a parable that we read here. The Lord Jesus spoke in parables very many times. It's been estimated that around about one-third of all the written record that we have in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the first three Gospels, was parables. This was the form of communication that he liked to use. Indeed, if you turn to verse 34, you see this astonishing statement. He says, All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables, and without a parable spake he not unto them. I feel I could learn a lot even from that verse. Without a parable, he was always using this form of communication. Pictures, word pictures. They're not just distinct to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John doesn't have so many. But they're actually throughout the whole of the Word of God. You can find them in the book of Proverbs. We think of King David. We thought of him last week. When Nathan the prophet had to come with a parable, he lured David into a word trap. David saw the unrighteousness of what was spoken of in the parable. And then the application was turned to him. Thou art the man. Well, why did the Lord Jesus use parables? They're memorable. We can all remember the parables. He has something like 35 to 40 Recorded in those three Gospels, people debate. Some of them slightly overlap, but there's around about 40 recorded for us. No doubt he used many, many others. They're memorable. Most of them are short. Some of them, particularly in Matthew 13, are just a couple of verses. The two chapters where they're most concentrated, Matthew 13 and Luke, 15, they have one after the other. They just seem to run into one another. I don't know whether the Lord Jesus actually used seven or eight in a row, but that's the way they're recorded for us. He spoke not without a parable. That's the way he liked to teach. Why was that? They're so simple. In one way, they're so simple, but yet so profound. There's always a deeper meaning. The pictures used a net, an ocean, a sea, a field, weeds, soil, seed. Everybody knows what they are, but you know what their meaning is. There is a great depth to them. There's a famous pastor in London, Benjamin Keach, and he wrote a very well-known book on the metaphors of the parables. I read one this afternoon, and he draws from these two verses 45 lessons that come out of just a couple of lines. There's so much meaning. 
so much depth for us. They're gentle. None of these parables comes across in a cross and an angry way, and yet they're very hard-hitting. We shall look at it later. Just look at verse 50. And shall cast them into the furnace of fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. What hard-hitting words. We don't say them to make children fearful, but they're the words of the Lord Jesus, and therefore we need to hear them. Do you know, the meaning of the parables is so easy. We have five, six, seven-year-olds here tonight. You can understand them, and yet at the same time, somebody with three PhDs, if they have a hard heart, they'll go away not understanding anything. They'll apply it to the people over there instead of to this stubborn heart. Adults, children, religious, unreligious, we can all understand the plain meaning of a parable if we're willing, if we want to understand. I trust tonight we will all understand the very plain symbols. There aren't very many of them. We hardly even need to tell the parable. It tells itself. The parable, as it's called in verse 47, the parable of the drag net. Now, I know we have a number of people here that like fishing. I'm told it's the most popular sport in this country. I don't know how that's worked out, but it seems to be a very popular pastime. Up and down the river in Bedford, the River Great Ooze, you see many people, some of them get up at five, six, in the morning to fish. Seems extraordinary to me. But that's what they do. Fishing. Very, very popular. We all understand what fishing is. And so the picture here is the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a net. you know what a net is? It's designed to catch fish. There were three ways of fishing. In those times, I've seen other ways in my travels, but the three in those times were line fishing. You know what that is? A line that was thrown out to catch one or maybe two fish in one go. A line, a hook, and some bait. And there was a second form of fishing. There was a smallish net. And you threw it out, one man, one woman, with a fish, and you pulled in a, a cord that was attached around the circle of the net. And once the fish was trapped, you've got it. You can see the picture. But there's a third form of fishing that was very popular in those times. There were nets that were up to half a mile long. And on the top they had floats that showed where the net was on the surface. And at the bottom there were weights, and those nets went very, very deep. Sometimes there would need to be 40, 50 men to pull in the net. I've seen it in Sri Lanka. It's still used today as a method 
and it takes many hours to get the net out and it takes many hours to get the net in and of course you don't know what you're going to get you catch all sorts and that's the picture here there is another form of fishing I'm sure you'll tell me there's others you can use a spear and they sit on a, a sort of pedestal and where the waters are clear a skillful fisherman can just target one fish well that's not the picture the picture is this third form of fishing why does the Lord use parables in Matthew 13 there's about seven parables and many of them they overlap they seem to have a similar picture there's a pearl one pearl is found because the man was looking another pearl was found because the man wasn't looking and we have to go through and see their pictures parables they teach us that there's a lot more to life than what you can see there's a lot more going on there's a spiritual realm underneath the waters a spiritual realm underneath the ground a spiritual realm in the field where the wheat and the tares are growing side by side don't just look at what you can see there's so much more to life well, that's the first great lesson the second is that the parables very often they divide into two groups and we'll see that tonight the third lesson is that division it won't always happen as quickly as you think sometimes the division is going on imperceptibly behind the scenes a great division you know the Bible's pictures, the sheep and the goats, the lost and the found, there's so many of them. When will that division occur? Will it be tonight? Will the Lord call his people tonight? Will you move from one side to another? A great division, not immediately visible. But then there's another lesson in these parables that this life is just a stepping stone to eternity. That comes up in this parable. That when we die there will be that division and there will be the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean. And that's here. These parables teach us another lesson. The world is not forever. This world will end. What we can see will disappear and there will be a new heavens and a new earth. It will be different. That heavenly state will have no sin, no death, no sorrow, no affliction, no sadness, no separation. Because we will be with God forever. But there's one more lesson. Generally speaking of these parables... And it's a solemn lesson. Hell is real. Hell is not a story. Hell is not a fairy tale. Hell is not just an additional sentence added at the end. Hell is one of the two places.
It's either heaven or hell. There is no purgatory. There is no intermediate state. There's no grading system. It's either with God forever or away from God forever. We see that very clearly here. So let me come to this parable tonight. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like, it's likened to a net. So my first point tonight, there will be a double dividing. That's what's contained in the parable. The net goes out. You imagine the Lake of Galilee. It's quite long, I think. Something like 13 miles long, if I'm not mistaken, from memory. Very, very long. And the net, when it goes out at night, maybe two or three hours as the sun's going down, the net goes out half a mile long. Some will be caught. Many won't. What is the net? The net is the gospel. The gospel is preached. It's proclaimed. It's declared. It goes out into the lake. We'll come to the meaning of that shortly. And many are caught. The problem is what the net catches is all sorts some dead fish floating on the surface, logs, seaweed, this kind of net catches everything. The net, the gospel, it's catching, it's seeking to hold those who are in the sea, fishing around, swimming around. We'll come back to it then. There is the ocean, the sea, the lake, what does that mean? There am I, swimming around in the ocean of life, in the sea. It's a polluted sea, a sea that's got a great problem to it. It's salty. Oh, but there are many, many fish in that ocean. And as the net goes along, there is the first division. Caught so far, or not caught. You see, the church is like the net going out to the sea. And tonight, we've got people here I've never seen you before. We're so glad to have you here. I don't know who comes in from week to week. We don't have control of that. The church is one of the few places in the world where you can have people sat next to each other that have never met each other before, that have got nothing in common, and they sit down. The net has gone out. We've given invitations this week. The net, the invitation goes wide, and it trawls through the Sea of Bedford, and some come in. The first dividing. But there's a second dividing. You see, God is so gracious. This net goes out week to week. The fishermen don't do it every day, but most days they go out the net. And after a long time, most of the fish will get caught one way or another. They'll have an opportunity to hear the gospel. Well, there will be a second dividing. We come to that. 
The net goes out, it catches every kind. When it's full, maybe the time is done, they draw it to shore and they sit down. The disciples would have done this. Remember, twelve disciples, four of them were fishermen. Some of the others perhaps would know what this was about. They sat down and there's two big containers. The bad and the good. Don't be mistaken, it doesn't mean bad people and good people. We'll explain later in verse 49. It defines it further saying the wicked and the just. But there's a division. There's just two buckets, two vessels as it calls it. Those that can go to market, those that are edible, those that have the purpose that was intended, and those that will be thrown away. Which receptacle are you in tonight? If this separation was to come and it's not from me to do it, the church has all sorts, even amongst the membership of the church down through the ages, there has been all sorts. So don't be mistaken by the outward church. No, one day there will be a separation, a double division. First, in the lake, and secondly, on the shore. Do you see the grace of God here? The net goes out again and again and again, and there's another opportunity, another gospel sermon. How many of you sat under? Some of you here tonight. You've been chapel-goers for 20, 30 40 years, 2,000, maybe more times, the net's gone out. You've heard the gracious words, I hope. And the gospel net gathers you in. One day, maybe the final time the net goes out for you, there will be a division, the final Division, But secondly, let's look at the declaration that there is here. Verse 49. So shall it be at the end of the world. There is that first separating in the ocean. And then the second, you can see the fishermen. Good, bad, good, bad. That one can't be eaten. You don't need to turn to it, but Leviticus 11, verses 9 to 10, we read in Jewish culture that there was a law that said you can eat the fish that had fins and scales, but everything else was unclean. God knew in his wisdom that there were fish that would be good to eat and fish that should be thrown away. And so it is. The words here have a particular meaning. Verse 49, the good and the bad, those who are just and wicked. It means, very simply, clean and unclean. Fit to eat, as God intended, and fit to be thrown away. You know the picture. You know what this means. 
This is about your soul. It's about those which are clean and unclean. It doesn't mean a clean person is a good person. No, the word just is very helpful. In verse 49, here's a sinner, and that's me. And I've sinned. I've fallen short. I've fallen short of every one of God's laws. Everyone. In word, in thought, in deed. And I am sinful. My very nature is sinful. And the Lord Jesus comes. And he says, I will wash you. I will cleanse you. You are unclean. But I will declare you to be clean. We've had two divisions, and now we have a declaration. Christ says, clean, clean. That's the picture of the Bible. All the way through, there's pictures of people who are unclean, lepers that had to go and wash. Once we come to Christ, we can have all our sin washed away. The guilt, the stain, the stench, everything that there is about sin. And the Lord says, you are declared clean. You're not clean, but I'm going to declare you clean. All your sin taken away. And now you are declared righteous, clean. When the division comes, that one, oh, because of my life lived instead of you, because of my precious blood that can atone and make you clean, you are declared righteous, declared clean. It's as though you've never sinned. It's as though you've lived a perfect life. Oh, isn't that wonderful? My life, nothing like it. And Christ says, instead of your life, I will treat your life as though it's my life, my perfect life, instead of yours as a substitute, a declaration. But look here at the two destinations. This is where it becomes very solemn. We must look at it. So shall it be at the end of the world. You see, the Lord is teaching that this parable says to us there will be an end. The net won't go out again for you. The gospel will never be heard again by your soul. I used to say this to Sunday school children back in London. Sixty, seventy children sat there and literally Week after week, there would be one or two I would never see again. The lake was being refilled with fish all the time. The net went out. There's a boy. Maybe he wouldn't hear the gospel again. He'd end up in a gang. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels commissioned sent forth to sever. Here they are. They're going to say, that's your destination, and that's yours. And the wicked will be separated from the just. See the two destinations. 
Those who are unclean, I'm putting it as tenderly as I can. Those who are unclean will go into the furnace of fire. That's how the Bible describes, pictures hell, a place of heat, of burning, a place where there's no relief. In that parable where it speaks of Lazarus, he longed to just dip his finger to get some comfort. But hell is a place away from God. There will be wailing, crying, lamenting, tears, gnashing of teeth. Why? Why didn't I listen? Why wouldn't I turn? Why wouldn't I repent? Why, why, why? I heard the gospel. The net came to me. I even came into the church. I was gathered. But I wouldn't listen. I wouldn't repent. I wouldn't put my faith in Christ. That night in Bedford, the net came to me. And I said, no, 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 not tonight. And it never came again. And there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. But there's another destination. All that came, all that heard, all that were gathered in, all that were declared clean. Christ says, you will be with me forever. Oh, what a place heaven is. A place of beauty, a place of music, a place of splendor, majesty in the presence of God forever. Oh, what it will be to look at the Savior and to see him and to see my Savior who died in my place, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and my sin. Is he your Savior tonight? If he is, you will be with him in heaven. I had a message from somebody today saying, They'd listen to a sermon, not my sermon. Another member of this church. They'd listen to a sermon from 15, 18 years ago. And they rejoiced because that message touched their heart. And they felt their burden lifted and their sins washed. That's what the gospel does. When the gospel is heard, when the net comes, and when we come to Christ. But there's another D. There is a despair. A despair. What a sad and terrible thing for those who say those words, why, 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 why did I not listen? Why did I not turn? Why did I not come? Why did I not feel my guilt and my burden and feel the conviction of my sin? Here's God's laws and I know I'm guilty before God. No one will stand in my place except for Christ. Why wouldn't I turn to him? And there will be that despair spoken of by that parable that we've considered Lazarus. 
A terrible sadness, a despair, a forlornness. There's no hope. They shall be cast into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's final. It's definite. The despair has no hope. But there is another way. There is hope. Let's look at verse 51. It's just tacked on, as it were, to the end of the parable. He asks a question, as he often does. They're probing questions. He's given this parable. He's deliberately dividing his audience. And he says to them one more time, verse 51, Jesus saith unto them, Have you understood all these things, it's added on to this parable. The division, the two destinations, the declaration and the despair. And now he says, has your understanding been deepened? Or are you just being superficial people? Are you just pretending there is no eternity? No day of judgment? No day of reckoning? And Christ asks, having given seven parables, probably one after the other, have you understood these things? It's probing, isn't it? There will be people that leave here tonight. You don't understand. You don't understand it applies to you. You don't understand it applies to you tonight. There will be a separation. There will be a division. There will be a declaration. And if you don't hear Christ, if you don't come, if you don't trust him, if you don't turn, there will be despair. How sad our state by nature is. How deep the stain there is within our hearts. Come to Jesus Christ tonight. I plead with you, as Christ would have done, as Christ does do, and he says to you, have you understood all these things? And how do they answer? Yes! Did they mean it? I don't know. I hope so. You can say yes to me in the vestry tonight. It doesn't mean anything unless you turn. Unless you come sincerely, and only the Lord knows that, everything necessary for salvation has been given. The net comes. The gospel goes out. The opportunity for most of us is many. And then on that day, all who've trusted in him, they will be declared clean, righteous, and they will be with Christ forever. Oh, may that be you tonight, even this night. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank thee for the love of Christ. He promised to the disciples he would make them fishers of men. And they went out with the gospel sound. They went out as often as they could, wherever there was a multitude, wherever they would be heard. 
They went out with the gospel message, plainly, simply, with parables, with pictures, to make the people to understand. We ask that 